Jesse Dawson Podcast. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode. Bit of energy there. I love a bit of energy. What are we covering? What, what are we talking about today, he says. Today, I want to talk about something that's a bit of my story, but it's not only my story. There are other people that are also living this story as well. And it's that being the best only got me loneliness. What do I mean? As usual, I will explain what I'm talking about. So, when I was younger, uh, younger than I already am, because I'm spring chicken still, I was very good at a lot of things. I was very talented at a lot of things. I was talented at I could pick things up and learn them really quickly, and I always grab things faster than the average person. And I was very much a skill-based individual. I was very much a, I don't know, I don't know what you could say. I was a bit of a magician in the, in the skills department, always able to do all this different stuff. And I'm very grateful for myself previously to have the skills I have now, right? So uh, there was a bit of a benefit to it, but it, what it definitely did give me was loneliness. And the reason it came about, the way I got there is when, we're going to talk about family for a moment here now. I know that this is not going to offend my parents. I shouldn't offend my parents. We'll see. They'll let me know. When I was younger, I was taught that being good and being the best at things and being the star, if you will, uh, was love. So I learned that if I was good at everything I do, I would get praise. I would get attention, and I would get love, what I determined as a child to be love. Now, that's not very healthy. It's not very healthy, and it seems quite obvious when I say it like that, that that isn't healthy, that being good at something equals love. I didn't know that at the time, and I didn't know I was running that pattern at the time, and I'm sure anyone who is running that pattern right now doesn't know they're running that pattern now. So if they are right, if you're the someone who runs that similar pattern that you really you feel like you always have to be the best at everything and that failing means abandonment, it means you're not good enough, it means that you're not worthy, maybe that's you, then this might be able to, you might get some, you might get some uh, awareness and be able to move through that, which is really cool. So for me, when I was younger, that absolutely was the case that I always had to get really good marks and be on my best behavior and be really skilled and the best at everything. When I picked something up, I needed to be lean to learn it fast. I need to learn it very efficiently. I need to be better than everybody else at it. And then I got love. Terrible. Now, caveat. It's not my parents' fault. They did not know. They were given the tools that their parents gave them. And often, it happens to be that's the cycle through the family, that they learned that from their parents and then they passed it down from them and then to them and them and all the way down the chain. It goes all the way to me or to you. And that's that's just how we live. So there's no blame there either. I just want to make that very clear. There's no blame. I did what I needed to do to survive. They did what they needed to do to survive. And we just got on living. Now, what this definitely did for me when I was a kid made me stand out, made, made me a bit of a, uh, the attention, made me the attention of the party of the, of the event. And we'd go out and they'd be, I'd be able to be shown off as the successful kid um, which then gave me a lot of significance, gave me a lot of praise, gave me a lot of love for what I 
believe to be love. Which then breeds a bit of toxic behaviour. I'm sure you can already see that happening in this story. Because then I skewed love. And when love came around, I didn't know what it was. I couldn't love myself because I needed to be good. And love was given to me. And I couldn't love provide love to me. So then therefore, when I got into my early relationships, love was never even present in the relationship. Well, couldn't even have the capacity because I couldn't even give, I couldn't even love myself. So it bred some toxicity in my world. Now, you would think that I would see that. You'd think you would see that. You don't see these things. They're not obvious. It's not obvious that that's how you get love. Maybe you should sit down and ask yourself, how do I receive love? What needs to happen in order for me to feel loved? And find out, are you giving yourself love or are you waiting for an external thing to give you love? When we go through the motions, when, we, when we're in it, we can often not tell that we're in it. Uh, it's only when we then step out of it that we realize how far in we were. Um, a lot of times that happens with addictions and relationships and all sorts. We're in so far that we can't actually see how far we're in. And then finally, with the day when we say yes to us, we step out of the toxic place, wherever that is, and then step into our light, whatever that means for you. <laughs> if we can then be like, whoa, I was way too far in there. I was in a really bad place. But you often can't see that bad place until you're out into the, um, into the positive side. So didn't see it when I was a kid. Didn't see it when I was there. And it breeds toxicity. And then what that then did was that if, if love meant being skilled at something and being the best and being approved of one it meant that i couldn't give it to myself and that i wasn't i wasn't the dictator of my own self-worth oh my ability was a dictator of my self-worth when and showing people that would give me love give me significance attention praise all of those things that was what got me the the good feeling so i would then want to improve my skill even more because if I if I if at first I got skill and that's what I learned was love I would then hone my skills at whatever I was doing at the time and often it would be like in to see what everyone was doing and then I would go in and just become the best at it and just absolutely wipe the floor with everybody which then not only does that not make it a good time for them but it also makes me look like a dick so I would do that and I would hone the skill and eventually it got to a point where I was no longer getting praised for the skill so at first, got praised by parents, family members, everything like that. Because when you think about it, like when you do something as a kid, your parents lose their bloody minds. You could do anything. You crap your pants. And, <laughs> and then they're like, wow, that's a stinky one. And you even get praised for that. <laughs> and uh, if when you walk, you get praised when you start doing stuff. And I was quite an intelligent kid. So I was doing things very fast. I was talking really quickly. Uh, and that got praise. So as you can see, like that, it was just that pattern was built in from such a young age. And I'm sure there's people watching this that can relate. Then I got a bit older and the other kids didn't care that I was good at anything. The other kids didn't care that I was skilled at things. All they knew was they were losing and it was terrible for them. So then I became a target because I was able to then be, I was able to be picked on for the, my attitude around things and the way I saw stuff. And then I believed that I was the best when in reality, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm, I'm perfectly average, <laughs> which I'm perfectly fine with. And the behavior that then followed after the other kids stopped approving of my skills. At first, 
they'd be like, oh, you're good at that. And then after that, it's then like, I'm not good at this compared to you. And it would actually affect the other people I was with. So, yeah, it became a target. I was easy to easy to attack and I was easy to, to, to pick on. And, and I also then felt them pull away when they did that. So then they didn't even have to do anything for me to feel the lack and feel the emptiness and feel the the absence of love of what I determined to be love. So what did that do? It made me want to get better at my skill. It made me want to get better at the skill so then I can start impressing people again, start being the show, being the attention, being all of those things. So then if I'm good enough, if I'm good enough at the thing, if I'm good enough and skilled enough at the thing, they'll notice. And if they're not noticing, it means I'm not good enough at the thing yet. And I would go harder and harder and harder and I would keep practicing all day, every day. I'd be obsessed with whatever the thing is that I was learning. Absolutely obsessed. And one day, they're going to praise me for it. They're going to be so blown away that they can't help but bow down. And I don't know what I was thinking. Being better at the skill didn't necessarily change anything. And that's what I thought. I thought that being better at the skill was going to be the answer to everything. But what it did was it made me come across as a very obsessed person, for one. So I was obsessed with each thing that I did and just I wouldn't shut up about it, couldn't stop it, always obsessed. And then... I would, be so, I would surpass the skill of the other people so far that I wouldn't even enjoy the thing anymore because I had no one to challenge me. I had no one around to even make the thing I was doing interesting anymore because I was just so good at it that I didn't think about the stuff anymore. And I'd move on to the next thing, which isn't really enjoyable. It's not really a great thing. Like, yeah, I'm great at all these things, but I have no one to share that with. It's awful. It's awful. It's very empty. It's very alone. So now we can see where the aloneness starts building, the loneliness of this, this pattern now starts building. And from pretty much there onwards, from basically late primary school, which is about seven or eight years old, maybe not, yeah, seven or eight for me, because I was a bit early, I was in, in school early, was just loneliness from there on. It just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Because then what did I do? I got better at my skills. Because of course, that was the thing that got me in love in the first place. That was the thing. So I'm going to get better at my skills. I'm going to keep impressing people. And what I would then do is then I would start throwing people away. And I'd start looking for new people to impress. Start looking for new people. And eventually I couldn't find any more people that I need, that I could impress because everyone knew. Everyone knew. And I was no longer getting any love and any praise, any affection any significance I was like almost walking a path now of lacking significance which is really dangerous to be walking that because that's you can end up doing some silly stuff and potentially you can take lives in that in that uh, arc of lack of significance so um, that happened and then I would be so obsessed and so like stuck in this way of improving my skill that I wouldn't be building my skill in connection because I didn't think that was a skill. I'd be just doing stuff all the time. And my connection lacked, and then I wasn't able to then connect to people my own age and my friends and the peer groups. So then I ended up actually alienating myself from everybody because I couldn't relate to them. They couldn't relate to me. I was just an anomaly, essentially. I was quite intelligent, quite skilled at things, but I just didn't relate on a person-to-person level. I was uh, 
what's the right word? I was sort of the, the I became the outcast, but I was just sort of the oddball. And early in those years, when I was in the, in the end of primary school time, when that skill started to come in, I started to not be able to relate and start to not have friends and these things. And then into high school, being, for me, it was 11 years old when I started high school. I was really young. Uh, I turned 12 in the first year. And then into the, you know, the higher years of high school, which was terrible. The whole experience for me is terrible. And kept getting better at things, but then had no ability to relate to anybody. So then all I had was alone and loneliness and skills and nobody. I couldn't even start like talking to people. Was no one was, they weren't interested in the skills. They were interested in themselves in, in their own stuff going on. We're, we're at the point now where our bodies are changing and we're going through all this crazy stuff. We're, there's no room in, in their life to have someone like me trying to get praise and stuff out of them when they're trying to figure out who the hell they are. They're trying to identify their own selves. They're, like, you know, they're on the journey of separation of identity from their family to their own individuality and they're trying to go on that and I'm buttoning like, hey guys, please tell me I'm good. Please tell me I'm good at this thing and that I'm great and that I'm the best because I'm needing love, That's that was me just doing that. Then what happens is that I trade, I make a trade. So I'm alienated, I'm alone, I'm lacking significance, lacking praise, lacking any sort of attention. I make a trade. I trade my skills for getting things and that kind of stuff to meet my significance into anything that meets that significance. So then I make myself look like a target and I become a target. And for me, high school is terrible. There's so much bullying in high school and I'm certain that so many people relate to this statement about the bullying in high school. It happens in so many different ways. And I then started using my looks. I dressed strange. I had long hair. I would always be saying weird things because anything that I could do that could cause a ripple in the matrix of school. And this is sort of where I almost crafted another skill here. So this is sort of another skill where I learned to get attention and I learned very, very well how to get attention in high school anyway. And I would not have good attention. It would be very bad attention, but it was still attention. And there's so many so many other people that do this because we to get our needs met, they don't have to be positive. They just have to be met so that I would be sticking my head out and looking like an idiot and saying stupid things that would just cause really adverse reactions people would just be like what did he just say and they just laugh like oh my god that's just crazy and I was then fully the outcast so this journey of me trying to be good at things and being praised for love ends up being the thing that pushes me away from everybody and there's also like another path you can take where you become like the star of everything you try to put yourself in as like actors and and become the show and always looking for praise but I chose this other path instead of that one and I chose the outsider path to be the weird one and get the get it that way it's a lot easier to be weird and put yourself out as a target and get attacked by everyone because everyone's so insecure in themselves anyway that you're really easy to put that and project that onto and I was, and, and you know, subconsciously, I'm getting my significance met. It means I matter because I'm, I matter enough for them to pick on me. I matter enough for them to, to stand out and then say something. And I continued that pattern, continued that and continued that. And eventually that 
bred the biggest amount of loneliness and emptiness and hollow, shallow sense of self. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I wanted. I couldn't give myself love. I couldn't even accept the praise of others in the end. So the thing that I was craving the most that became like a need for me, like I threw the skills to get love, and then the skills bred alienation. The alienation then bred the need for significance, and then even the need for significance then ended up hurting me. That desperation that I didn't even know who I was, I couldn't even give it to myself. In the end, the skills didn't even serve me. And the worst part about the whole thing, which also contributed to the alienation, which happened all the way through, all the way to the point where we were, I, I was like desperate for attention and desperate for just the significance and, and those kinds of things. That entire time, I still thought that I was superior. I still thought I was better because I was taught that I was the best. I had to be the best, always the best at everything. And I always thought that I was playing a game and that they were falling for the trap of the game. I had this massive ego, massive ego, like just so dangerous. I'd say things and do things to get the attention and I felt like I was winning the game. So all through that, I had the superiority, I had the ego, I thought I was privileged, I was better, everyone was lesser than me, even though I was the outsider on the bottom of the food chain. I always had that belief that I was always better, which then led to even further alienation because I couldn't find anyone who was good enough. I wasn't good enough even. Like I wasn't good enough for me and they were definitely not good enough for me. So no one came around that was good enough. Then I got a girlfriend and because I was so superior, I had so much ego, she's very codependent and that was terrible. That was an awful experience for both of us. And that carried on until I found coaching and changed my life for the better, absolutely the better. And I trust that you can see the theme from the start all the way through that you've got that arc of loneliness. There's an arc of superiority through the whole thing. Devoid of love and can only get significance through actions and skills and that kind of thing. And I do want to make a point here that I didn't have an, uh, like, I didn't have any other, like, uh, love wasn't withheld as well, just for the record. There was other times when there was love in my life from many people around me, but I didn't know how to take it. That was the problem. It wasn't that it wasn't there. It was that I was trained to take it in a different way. I was trained to take it in the, through the skills and being, being praised. So I didn't know how to even hold a space for love to exist in. I couldn't definitely not give it to myself because I didn't even know what it was properly anyway. And I couldn't give it to other people because I didn't know what it was. And then when other people gave it to me, I didn't even see it because it wasn't even in my, in my world. It didn't, it didn't back up an existing belief about myself that I deserved it, that I was worthy and lovable and enough. I was alone. And I've taken this belief probably 25 years about this belief of I will always be alone. People will always leave and that pets will always leave me. That was a huge belief for me. And it's amazing coming out the other side, 
how much that affected my, my world. And this is sort of me sharing it to language it as well. So you get to experience a bit of that as well. And I trust that the story of this helps you, helps someone watching this or listening to this. They might be going through the same thing and to know that you are worthy of love and that you are worthy of being loved and giving yourself love and that kind of thing. And that's where this arc of all these things end and it starts stepping into self-love. Because to escape that trap of always wanting to be good at things, always having to be perfect, the pressure, the standard, the expectations on such a little kid, like a four, five, six-year-old, there's the expectations and standards and the things that kid needed to do to survive, to get love and not be abandoned. I've got to thank myself for you know hanging in there. And now, as an adult, I can see where I put things in place that I need to reverse. And I need to bring them out in me and embrace some of those things. So the only way to get out of those arcs of all those things that have stemmed for 20, at least 20 years, some of those, I came, I came into coaching when I was 20, and at least 20 years, some of those things I didn't even do until my fourth year of coaching. I didn't even get out of those things because I didn't see that they were there. So it's about digging deep, dig deep, like really dig deep. And the only way to get go through that is to start unlocking the things that you suppressed or changed or altered or blocked when you were a kid and bring some acceptance into the, the mix. Say to yourself, you know what? I, I didn't get it right and I'm battling with myself right now that I didn't get it right, but that's okay. It's okay that I didn't get it right. And just sit with yourself after you say that to you. For the first time, it's huge. For the first time, acknowledging that if you screw up, it's okay. You're not going to die. You're going to be able to handle it. It's about that acceptance, that piece of acceptance that you can give yourself. And that starts with releasing the desire to chase the thing you need, you think you need. So for me, the skill, as I was saying, I was chasing the skill because I was chasing love. I was chasing the desire to be the best, to be significant and appreciated and to matter in other people's eyes. Then my expectation of myself and the standard over myself was I have to make an impact on other people so much so that they tell me I'm great, that they tell me I'm awesome or that I'm good at it or they acknowledge me and I feel significant so I can feel love. So I was chasing perfection. I was chasing love. It was a need of mine. I was chasing significance to feel love, all those things. And the first step was letting go of the need to have it. So I then pursued things and went down certain paths of, of uh, like endeavor, whatever they looked like, because of the need, the desire to fulfill that thing. So then I put myself in places where those would give, that would feed that need. And what I had to do is say to myself, am I doing these things because I'm trying to feed some need from my childhood that's been suppressed or whatever it is? Or am I choosing this because I really enjoy it because I want to do the thing? Now they're completely different. You knowing you want something and doing something because of trauma, because that's trauma I'm really talking about here, they're two different things. Knowing who you are and saying, yes, this is this lights me up and I am 
full, wholeheartedly following this journey and discovering more of me. And, and this piece of me I know is me making this choice. All the voices and the, and the voices of your parents, your caretakers, the, the big people in your life, the teachers, your experiences with your friends and your uh, peers, or are they determining my decision? So you need to let go, like completely let go of the need to chase it. And of course, you're still going to try and get that met. But ask yourself how you can meet it yourself instead of chasing it through something else, through the external world, chasing it with someone else, chasing someone down to get their approval. Come back here. Come back here to your heart. Put your hands on your heart if you need to. Do it now. And then sit with yourself and say, what do I want? What do I really want? And don't think, what do I want in, uh, in relation to others? What do I want to impress others? What do I want to feel significant from others? What do I want to feel significant to me? What do I want to feel love for me? What do I want to be more of me, to accept me, to bring playfulness for me, to be a little kid again inside for me? What can you do? So let go of the need for others external and bring it in and feel. Write it down. Say it out loud. Yell it. Whatever you need to do. Embody that thing and accept that. And then with that acceptance, the letting go and letting it be and accepting who you are and what you want and the things that will light you up, that is the process of removing whatever that thing is for you. And for me, in this story particularly, it's happened to me multiple other times as well, but for this particular story, for me it was like allowing myself to not be alone because it bred loneliness in the end and allowing myself to screw things up and to be wrong. I was allowed to be wrong. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong at all. It doesn't matter if I'm right. Neither of them matter. There's no rules. I was able to let go of the need for significance in a toxic way. I was able to give myself significance through progressing like me, my identity, who I am, and a sense of progress in life. That is how I feel, I feel significance now. It's completely different to chasing people down and getting the approval of your great versus giving myself significance through self-growth and progression. So much more powerful. I feel so more centered when I say it. So what can you do that gives you acceptance of a part of you? Or what can you do to let go of a piece of you that's not serving you? In whatever way that is. What does that look like for you? How is it not serving you? And how do you want to change it? And how will that change serve you in the future? Four little questions. And hell, that could mean that you have to accept that you are chasing it. You know, bit of a paradox there of what I said, but maybe if starting the first thing of acceptance you can do is accept the fact that you are chasing something external to you and that you're not giving it to you yourself. That you're continuously looking outside in here, in the world, to tell you who you are, to tell you how you should behave, to tell you that you're enough, to tell you that you matter, to tell you that you're significant, and to tell you that, that you're lovable, to tell you that you are unique, to tell you that you are special, whatever it is, you're looking externally, maybe accepting that is the first step to saying yes to you, okay, I am chasing that thing, I've got to be real with myself, and I've got to say I'm chasing that thing, and feel what that 
feels like to accept that, to, to say that to yourself, you know, I'm getting goosebumps, like trying it on right now. And like being, being you potentially, being the person that's listening to this, I'm just trying it on and putting myself back in that place that I was, in the place that you could be. And I'm getting goosebumps. And allowing yourself to accept that and feel it in your body. Don't think it. Because think it and then feel it. Know that you're consciously making that choice and then embody that choice. And feel it in your heart and in your soul, in your chest, in your gut, in your throat. Feel it all the way to your feet, in your body. And then say, okay, now what do I need to do to give that to me and not be chasing that externally? And then bring acceptance and bring forgiveness it's okay that you did this. It's okay that you went through that as a kid because it wasn't your choice. You survived. Go you. You survived. And now you're here and now you have the choice. So now you can choose how do I craft myself? How do I discover more of me? And you can use tools and discover new tools to manage your way through life in a new direction and handle more of the world and get to know you. It just comes from accepting of that old self and then accepting the current self, and then accepting and welcoming the future self and taking action in that direction. And with acceptance comes the release of love, and you're able to give that to you and live as an unstoppable force of love. And that's how I live now. I live as an unstoppable force of love. And once upon a time, I didn't even know what love was. Once upon a time, I couldn't even give myself love. I couldn't even accept it from other people. And now I live my day. That is my driver. I'm an unstoppable force of love. Maybe you can adopt that. Maybe you can adopt a variation of that. Adopt whatever it is for you. And live brighter and louder and more congruent with who you really are inside. Instead of chasing the thing that you've been told to chase. And that's a really beautiful thing. So I'm going to end it there. I'd love to hear what you thought about this. Um, I'd love to hear what you thought about the story and how it impacted you. Maybe what you're going to change. Maybe what you're thinking about, what you're feeling, what that's brought up in you. Tell me you hated it. <laughs> and uh, give us a like, share it, put in your story. If you're listening on the audio version, Know that there's a video version you can check out as well if you want. And if, the, if you're watching the video version, know that there's an audio version that you can also listen to while you're out and about. So you don't have to you know, sit down and watch the video to, to get the same content. You can have it in the background or you know, while you're working out or cleaning or whatever, driving. You can have this on. Um, and check out my Facebook group. It's the playground because we're there to play. We're there to bring out our inner child and discover more of us and get dirty and in the mud, you know. So come to the Facebook group and it's on my page, click in, type in the boxes and then I'll accept you in and you can be exposed to some of the things we're doing in there because it's really good to be around like-minded people that are on the same journey as you because being alone on this side of the journey, it is very lonely as the title suggests and you, it's really hard to take those initial steps and grow because you haven't got any reference points. So getting around people that have reference points and can help you and guide you, it's key. And I'll be in there too. So come along, bring your stuff. See if we can work through some things together. I'd love to see you in the group.
And that is it. That's it today. So enjoy your morning, your lunch, your evening, your night, your sleep, whatever time of the day, wherever you are. Know that you're not alone, that you are united anywhere you go, that you could be an unstoppable force of love. Who knows? And that you're worth it, you matter, you're special, you're lovable. And that we're here to rock out, so enjoy the rest of your day. Trust it's fantastic, like mine is. And I'll see you in the next podcast.